Hello, and welcome to the No Good Poetry Podcast. Each week we talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly of poetry. This is episode 61 with Joseph Makos and Joseph Bievenu. This is the good, bad, and the ugly, isn't it? Some ugly shit out there, kids. Let's make the world safer for poetry. Well, here we are on Lorraine Avenue and uh, visiting some old haunts across from uh, the uh, Nook and Cranny Antique Store, Lorraine and West 52nd Street. And uh, we're going to go in here and see uh, some friends here. Guide to Culture, uh, sort of an operation that does some activism and talks about heavy topics. And oh, shit, here he is. So what's up, man? I mean, we're hanging on Lorraine right now in the old haunts. Brick stacks, guide to culture, paper stacks, typewriter stacks. How are things going over here in Cleveland? Cleveland is having itself a little crisis of identity. Because on the one hand, there's a lot of activity going on, arts and culturally. There's been an influx of new talent from some of the bigger universities. They've been hiring some really like amazing young people who are pedigreed and shit. Mm. So they're coming in here with this new energy and then there's money around a little bit. And um, the DIY aesthetic or scene seems to be either being like infiltrated by these environs and these uh, these people, or it's become like a t-shirt, you know, I'm DIY t-shirt. So that's going on. Then you have like rampant gentrification and public uh, dismay as to how the country's going and how the city's gonna go. But for the most part, Cleveland's probably feeling better than it has in years. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about that DIY thing, because I, I, I've, I've heard, I've gotten the pulse from some, some folks kind of like talking about how the DIY terminology, in a certain sense, over the course of the last years, whatever, has been primarily co I don't even want to say co-opted, but defined by the music scene in Cleveland. Um, in a way, in a way. Yeah, but if you look at it... Hmm. It, is, it has been. It always has been. But, you know, there's always been pockets of other things. But on a large scale, like when you think about the world in DIY, the proponents of DIY sensibilities are now the academics. So, like... Well, because they've been... Well, because defunded, so they gotta like figure some things out. No, not even. There were kids looking at the DIY shit and gaining inspiration about their lives, and now they're grown. So oh, it's their turn. It's their turn to do their thing, and uh, you know um, that's how culture works. But the, the interesting point for me is this is actually an opportunity for a lot of DIY artists to get celebrated in ways that haven't happened since the 60s. So to bring that 
aesthetic, bring those aesthetics. I just had an interesting aesthetic conversation with my Uber driver over here, actually, whose son happened to be a journalist and had been writing books and knew the whole idea behind this of these things. Uh, and he said aesthetics, right? Mm -hmm. So that is a little bit what it is, right? Like this is a time where the aesthetics maybe that you're saying is co are coming through are a little bit more sort of reflexive. I'm saying that. On I'm a different aspect of culture rather than like new modernism. I don't know, I, I, you, know you know what I mean? Like they're looking at something different. They're looking back, when they look back, they're looking back to that aesthetics of the 60s and 70s rather than the aesthetics of modern, like the aesthetics of like the 50s and 60s, you know, 40s, 50s. Maybe. I really do think that it's even more nuanced than that. I really think that um, the things that have always inspired um, the avant-garde, so to speak, became more accessible late 80s all the way up to now, even in increasingly so, because once the internet hit. And those ideas fueled people into certain fields of study, and now they are the gatekeepers of these fields of study. And rather than antagonize them or make them feel like they're not a part of these DIY communities, we should embrace them because they actually just want to celebrate the heroes of the DIY, the people that actually made it through from the late 80s, I mean, early 80s to now. The, sure. Lydia, the Lydia Lunches, you know, uh, the Walter Weasels, the fucking Eugene Champern, the, the Han Vinick, uh, uh Peter Brotsman, Ken Vandermark, all that kind of shit. And then you have like a new avant that's getting like radical acclaim, like the Kamasi Washington. So we're talking about it in music, but then you see it in writing too, because there's like this um, younger pulse of writers and poets um, nationally um, that are getting a lot of acclaim. Um, you know, a lot of people from Tin House and shit like that, and they're doing like poetry tours. Yeah, indie indie presses that indie presses that started off with a vision of like a a, a certain vision. Yeah. But now they've been ported. Yeah. To a status. Right. Right, because the indie presses that came behind them were maybe emulating them in such a way, but maybe almost holding on to the early aesthetic of a press like that. You know what I mean? So that the press that's, that raises up like them gets lauded and looked at as an example, a perpetual example. Well, it always happens, right? You publish somebody, they grow, and their career grows, their reputation grows. They become a house name, they become a name. They become a name within certain circles. So everybody wants to go that route, you know? And like, a lot of these indie presses were publishing marginalized academics, people with MFAs or whatever, who are um, practicing their craft professionally. Like that's what they were gonna do for work. And they were gonna teach other people and mentor other people to do it. So now all the organs that sustained the last 30 years of MFA are now the poster childs for indie publishing. Great Wolf Press, you know, 
I can't even call them all out, but I mean, there's so many. Um, and like, you know, I was there the whole time, so watching them and being friends with the poets that were getting published by these larger indie spots, and while I was getting published by, you know, the DIY indies, you know, without distribution. The copy machine. Yeah. Yeah, reclaiming the copy machine, not just for for running your syllabi, but for running off a couple fucking Wasco joints. You know, whatever you could do. Make sure there's merch on the table. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, um, because, I mean, there was a generation of um, writers who had to emulate the music scene in order to figure out methods of the distribution. So one of the ways we did it was we got in vans, we would tour and open up for a rock band. And this has been happening. Oh yeah. But it's increasingly so, right? And then it stopped. And it went back to this over there and this over here. Well now the culture is kind of like confused because so many people are interested in multiple things. And you know, the concept of you just practicing one genre or one thing your whole life is foreign. You know, um, before most poets would never even dream of like writing a novel. Well, I'm not writing a novel. I don't write novels. You know, and now there's crossover. There's crossover. Like I mean, I'm sure all over the place. Yeah, they write essays. They write novels. They write plays write memoirs and that bouncing through genres is starting to create a genre into itself. You know? I always right. I always like to think or I always kinda of thought, I don't say I like to think, but I always sort of thought that poetry was the name given for everything else that they couldn't call fiction or nonfiction. Or or stage writing. That poetry, in a way, was actually, and still is, the most open field, you know? Mm -hmm. And, but you can even say that even, like, within fiction, there's, like, this, like, open field now. Within nonfiction, there's an open field now, you know? Like, I always thought nonfiction as a genre was stupid, because it's, like, non, what, nonfic, you're talking about nonfiction? Right. Is there fiction poems now? Is there nonfiction, po like, is this a fiction poem? Mm -hmm. I'm writing poem fiction. You know what I mean? Like, are you writing a uh, are you writing a piece that's real, that's truthful? Are, are you are you you can still be truthful, and it doesn't have to be real, or it doesn't have to be a hundred percent accurate. You know, I mean, it's like going through the MFA myself. I have to say that you know, I I was able to put myself in a place where I could. I actually took a class about this under this woman Peggy Woods, who's the director of the Writing Center at UMass Amherst, and she had a class that was it was called like. Fiction. It was like it was called fiction poem, fiction poem, or poem fiction, and it was all about like where can you push a how in what ways can you push a poem to to make it into a piece of fiction, and in what ways can you push fiction into making it a poem? I mean, you know, and all that that sort of array. Yeah, that but both of those ideas are problematic for me because there's examples of those things. But they go back. Yeah, they go way back. But it's like, the beginning. 
they go way back. I mean, my whole thing about art is like, if you don't have a sense of the art historical nature of the work that you want to get into, right? You don't have a sense of the history of it. So a root, yeah, a base. Not, you don't have to give it credence as not as a higher authority or anything like that. You just have to know that it exists. And if you can't know that it exists, you can't get out of your own way about how you study the art historical nature of the things that you do, you know, you're going to have a problem. Well, I mean, if you talk about, if you say what you're, if, especially if you talk about what you just said, if we go into what you just said a little bit about, about particularly about, uh, about how it's, how it's like the diversified nature, you know, you're shining shoes at the airport, but you're also slinging coffee. You're making poetry books over here. You're, you know, petty cabin, and you're, you know, also got a side eBay hustle, and you're buying and selling typewriters on fucking Craigslist. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just, yeah. I'm just adding. Yeah, yeah. I'm just putting texture to it. But I'm saying like that idea of the poet, the author, the writer, the memoir, the bringing it all together. If you don't have that root, if you don't have that base, then everything that comes from it can't be illuminated, amplified. I would agree with some of that. I mean, but I'm really, I'm not even talking metaphorically. Okay. I'm saying that if you want to make a thing, you know, you make tables, and you have not looked at pictures of tables throughout the tabling. The centuries of tables. Yes. If you haven't looked at them, then you can't make tables. Yeah. And it's the same thing. Now, the process of learning uh, and since it's reading, it's connected to school, right? And since it's writing, it's connected to school, right? But those two things are totally different. The way you write and read as an artist is totally different than the way you write and read as a student. And if you can't understand that one of them has an art historical background and one of them does not. One of them is the state, and the other one is the field, you know? The state is grammar. Reading so you can read how they're going to fuck you over money-wise. Reading so you understand the rules so that you don't get zapped by some robocop. And then there's reading to understand the thing you love that you want to make. And there's writing about that. Right? And like where I believe all MFAs should be dismantled and their money should go into a joint fund, like the collective money of every MFA, right? For 2019, should go into a joint fund. All their collective budgets, all of them should be dismantled, yeah. shut down, and their collective budgets seized. If I was the emperor of the universe, this is what I would do, right? And then I would allow for people to come and give presentations to regional bodies of community leaders, writers, writers, blah, 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 who are deciding where that money goes, okay? You got an apprentice program in Iowa City and you want to learn, your kids want to learn how to make pocket radios. Boom, there's the money. You want to, 
you want to learn how to fix mimeos or to fix typewriters, boom, here's the money. This is how you learn. You know what I mean? And like identifying community who are interested in the same things and then give them the resources to trust each other. Because if you remove, how the fuck am I going to pay my rent? How the fuck am I going to eat? How am I fucking going to deal with the striving of capitalism? Because I was raised to strive. Which is a very foreign concept than raised to hunt. So we're the only mammals on the planet who are raised to strive. Striving is not hunting. Hunting is you gather the things you need to survive. And striving is you dream of the things that people expect from you. So you don't have a lot of time to do our historical analysis of the thing you love. Because you're too busy striving. So that's why you get rid of the face, because they have failed in their fundamental um, trust bond with the community. You said that you were going to create schools where artists could go, learn the professional skills in which to pursue their art. But you never deemed a professional criteria being art historic background in the thing. That should be the first fucking thing. The status becomes status. Right. So now you created striving. Okay, now you're confusing me because you have the state, which is grammar, right? And then you have the field. And those two types of reading and writing are different, right? Yes. So now you're gonna say to me that once I graduate high school and go through college, that what I want you to do is to continue studying the field with the rules of the state. No one can do it. Very few people can do it. I have an advantage. I'm already marginalized on so many levels. But so by the time I become a teenager, I already know that I don't belong here. <laughs> right? It's not alienation. It's not the same kind of um, alienation of the, of the white team because the white team alienation is totally more sinister I look just like you and I can't fuck with you <laughs> you know what I mean I don't look like a white team so when he's not fucking with me as a teenager well okay you know what I mean you don't put the red crayon next to the blue crayon you put it next to the violet crayon and you build back like that. This is the kind of concepts marginalized people understand and we're not tripping over it. You know? But the white team is taught to turn their political aspirations and their political differences into ethnicity. Which creates an anthem in a weird place because now I don't understand why I don't get along with anybody that's white. So I'm not going to talk to them and police their behavior as a group. 
so then extremism occurs within these populations that you have no way to talk to your cousin Jed or your fucking auntie Ruth about the shit because you stopped talking to them six generations ago. Because we actually do not understand the art historically history. The art historic part of it, history. An understanding of what people made and what people thought and what people did is the only way to have true enlightenment. So if you're not curious, then you fucked. That's why the MFA school should be dismantled. I shouldn't have to pay $100,000 to learn how to write poems like you, my teacher. You know, when they had that guy, what's his name? Michael Demonis at Cleveland State University. I felt like he was there to teach his students how to write like him. So there was a bunch of Michael Demonis's running around (laughs) without Michael Demonis's background. You know what I mean? And then I always felt like, well, since I have fat man titties and not actual titties, I was never going to get a headway talking to this man because he was on the prowl. He felt like a Harvey Weinstein type motherfucker. Like, you know what I mean? As long as I come up in there strapped like Beyonce, my poems get published. You know, I get to edit the Whiskey Island. And maybe it wasn't like that. Maybe no one claims to know because they don't respect where they were and they want everybody to forget that they got the MFA for the Neo-MFA as they go and do some other shit. Sure. Right? And I'm not just, I'm just using it as an example to illuminate the various pitfalls of the thing. And that's with all school, really. I don't have a problem with school. I don't think school is a bad thing. But you can't use all the resources, school, and then send these people out of school to the community who has no resources and expect us to teach them how to use the school you gave them. And that's what I've been doing for 30 years. Teaching people how to like use the school they got with no resources. So all the schools should be dismantled. If that's how it's gonna be, how dare you come and ask for my time if you have a tenure track job at a university without offering any kind of like honoraria or stipend. Why? Because I don't have a PhD? Then why are you coming over here? I don't give a fuck. I know I don't have a PhD. That's fine. I also know that the rumor is that you read 500 books per PhD. And I want to ask those motherfuckers, did you ever put yourself through the paces of reading 500 books without the PhD? Because I've done that. I have PhDs in like six different things. <laughs> if that's the criteria for a PhD, fucking D. So, 
And if I talk like this, then I'm rude. Brash, upset. I'm not upset. What are you talking about? How am I upset? You continue to not do your job, which allows for me to have a space. I'm hanging with my homies on my back porch. What are you doing? Filling out paperwork, trying to figure out. <laughs> Sitting in a cubicle, filling out forms. Yeah, you're trying to figure out how you're gonna live. You're trying to figure out how to fucking add fucking word word banks to PDF files. <laughs> you're grading, you're grading papers, and it's not to say that there are some noble people in those places. They are noble, and they're under siege because they're not paying the adjuncts, right? And a lot of the tenure track professors are not going to risk it. Right? So, like, to me, just dismantle the whole system. Yeah, man. Dismantle the whole system. I you know, and, you, and this is the dangerous part of it. Because if you dismantle the whole system with this guy in the office, mm. that money's not going to the pot it's supposed to go to. No. Right? So what fascism does truly is it shuts down any type of critique. And if, when, it, when the critique is shut down, it's dangerous to critique things that are mostly good, to make them better. The school's good. It could be better. It can always be better. See? See? And these cats are like, there's no either or of this shit, man. It's no either or. It's both and. It's so gray. So gray. There's no, there's no black and white binary. And if you think so, just stick the coding, man, and pass out all that wonderful money you tech motherfuckers make. We'll get there. Everything else is gray. I'll get there. I promise. Huh? Everything else is gray. I assure you, it's gray. You know, and in fact, the reason why literature still exists is because those are the moments where it becomes black and white. Speaking of gray, can you read me a poem from here? Please. There's one. You want me to pick it up? I could do a chance operation. Oh. I, I got a suggestion. Yeah. Please. Give the suggestion, Kyle. There's, there's a mention. <laughs> is it mention of him? Yeah. What page? Shut up. Wait, wait, so say what this is. Oh, uh, Kyle Osborne from Outlandish Presses hold my paging proof for my new book of poems, Black Eunuch. Yeah. Gorgeous covers, well printed on some nice linen paper. It's pretty nice. I like the minimal. Yeah. I, I fuck with the minimal. It's Bauhaus. Post ambition. Bauhaus. Post ambition. Post, <laughs> Post Bauhaus. It's the book's brutalist. Yeah, I hope so. It looks brutalist. Yeah, I feel brutal. Oh wow. Oh yeah. Gentrification poem, kinda. Quote. Here is the poet's procedure, Mary Rufel. Perhaps it started on the night. I will recall, for poems must have settings. In a quiet room, some men, always men, 
decided how to monetize the glut of housing around the early west side. Perhaps this is the night where they decide to rename the south side Tremont. We only know it by south side. House galleries, it's a Friday. There's beer, cheap red, the yellow mane, he poet calm, claim Irish, claim worker, shook drum, good song, the murmur above him, respectful, just out of tune. Performance poets are used to this, a stage no inch above is his. The other three readers, me, Stephen B, Makos. Jazz is fine waiting, mainly because he never stops explaining small press theory to a kitchen sink redhead, and he pudged, and he pudged ill suit date. Stephen B, maybe on substance, just as pleasing, the corner sit, scowl a bit jovial, play at string, old jazz cat with numbs his fingers. I need to find a place to pee. Keep meeting her anyway, even though change of venue. If you cannot fix leaving, it's frankly a cowardice, a fear. Taps at reserve, at attention, with regard. We're not risking anything here. We only wish to be seen as our wishing. Do well, street poet. Blow all things to massive measures. This is not formal concern. Better is a conditioning sitting out, a stand up, a part, a way. We cannot love harder than this. I am waiting to read. Fear is not my captain, for the poem shifts far from what the polite barb bared to hear. Remember the little suits you used to wear when you were reading? Yeah. With petticoats and shit. I was like, this motherfucker is such a dandy. It's a Massachusetts dandy. I love him. Yeah. I loved your hosties. You made those guys so uncomfortable. The McNeese's in them. Good. That was the whole point. Yeah, I see. That was always the whole point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Make them uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, it, 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 you know, they needed to be made feel, felt uncomfortable because they hadn't been felt uncomfortable for a while. Or there's only people who go up there, certain people keep making them feel uncomfortable the same way, so they become used to it, and they become resistant to the, the discomfort, and then they eventually accept it, so it doesn't become discomfort anymore. You know? Yeah. You gotta fucks with the fucks. That's what you guys were doing with the literary cafe readings and shit. But, you know, basically what you ended up doing was taking over the avant DIY underground poetry scene and making that the place where they had to come and gather. Yeah. And, and then uh, brought other people elements into it, too, to make it something bigger than just that one thing. Yeah. But people had to go through the steps and, like, even if you create a space, this is what I've learned. Even when you create a space for a wider conversation, the people that will dominate that space are going to end up being the people that are going to get the most uh, out of it. You know? So, like, once the institute, you know, the established indie guys start showing up at the literary cafe, and once they were able to get their own feature readings, it didn't matter that the curation was wider net. 
Because once you get in the building, you got to toe the line with the motherfuckers that's there. They run the shit, not the people that organize it. The people that are in the room. You know? And yeah. that's the pitfall. So you have to make the ground real uncomfortable so that motherfuckers tell the truth and not crew up. Because when human beings get in the room, they gang up. They can't help it. They so shook. They gang up. They got to be in a gang. Well, they're, most of them are playing. I started as a gang. Well, most, 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 I mean, we all play characters. Well, I started as a gang. Everyone needs a gang. Because you were scared. Here we are, trying to do this thing in front of other motherfuckers. Let's prove that we belong here. How do you do it? We, What's the rules for proving that you belong here? We started our gang in, in, in uh, Brookmere, where Brookmere Cemetery, we were called the Brookmere Boys. And then you know what happened? We were there all playing baseball in our cemetery one day, and guess who rolls up in his fucking squad car? Pretty boy. And he's like, hey listen, you guys don't have a gang. And we're like, we don't have a gang. And that was the end of that. That's amazing. Do you know who I'm talking about? No. That, the gang, don't you remember the blonde gang cop in Cleveland? Oh yeah. Pretty boy. That Whoa. was, that was the, you, you knew who I'm talking about? Oh, you knew him as a, chi- as a kid? No, when he was like, when he was like just, when he was like 40, 35 year old cop. He used to he used to patrol down because he lived in our neighborhood. Oh. We knew where he lived. Wow. We, I could tell you exactly which house he lived in. Wow. And he used to patrol the neighborhood, and he just came to us and was like, you guys ah. can play baseball here, have fun. You ain't a gang, though. Don't be going around telling people you're a gang. Bad idea. You guys are smart enough to be like, no way. No way. I was part of a gang. <laughs> in my, in, you know, college gangs are interesting. Because you can join a frat. Right. You can join a cause or a political institution, right? Club, you can join a club. Yeah, you can join a hobby or an art thing, right? Or race or gender identity thing, right? I joined the race thing. Like a society of black writers called Black Poetic Society. Because I was scared to go do it. By myself. You know? Like, what's the space? I was tired of being, like, in these spaces. 17, 18 years old, only black kid in the space at the Arabica or the Red Cafe readings. The only one reading, the only black person reading there. If it wasn't, like, Kwanzaa Brewer or fucking Daniel Gray Contar, like, or Sage Wisecat, you know what I mean? Or Matabo Akanto or Mary Williams. Right? But we weren't in the same spaces at the same times. It was always like, well, Kanta goes, he's the only one. And then Mary Williams comes through, and she's the only one. And then Karen Job comes through, and she's the only one. And then Daniel comes through, and he's the only one. And then Kwanzaa comes through, and it's Daniel and Kwanzaa for a little bit, but then Kwanzaa, but then all of us, all of a sudden, 20 of us. And that was Black Party Society. Right? In Cleveland. Cleveland. Well, my secret ambition was to infiltrate the people that were making the books. You know? I wanted to have books. Like, I didn't care about the readings. You know? 
I saw it as an opportunity to get some books. Readings happen. Yeah, yeah, They yeah. can happen. Yeah, but I mean, my whole thing was, like, I watched <laughs> these guys, like Mike DiCapiti, get into his car on the weekends and go do readings. But he had through the windshield. So he'd come back, and, like, the bar was nice. Real nice at the bar. And when he came back, you know, real nice at the bar when he came back. Because he had sold a few books. You know what I mean? You shop for my guy, Rafik. You know, that kind of vibe. I'm like, shit. I'm going to be glad I had it at the bar. No one's going to, I mean, I can't. They don't pay you the same out loud. You know, maybe 25 bucks. Maybe you get like a $200 honorarium for some college reading to try see during the day. Or like some library give you a couple of hundred dollars to read and they'll make you feel like you're a real pro with the like picture and the goddamn bio. Right? Yep. And, and it's, all of it's great. It's all part of the the social economy of writing in the city. It's fine. But let me ask you one thing. Okay. We get back to the beginning of the conversation and we were talking a bit about the DIY economy and the DIY, what that means for that, what that means. And I know that that can change for each city, different city. God damn, why are they deciding right now to fucking start hammering some shit on their house, fixing their gutters? Anyways, uh, we'll roll through it. If the DIY community, what happens though when, when that, when that like, when that like thing starts to get co-opted for people who are just out for economic? You know what I mean? Like, we were talking about that earlier because you're saying, like, we were talking, I mean, it was just one thing you brought up was, like, oh, yeah, now it's, like, the T-shirt thing. But, like, what? what's the danger? I mean, we we know what the danger is there, but, like, you know, is there anything to be done about that? Is that just how it's going to be? Because that's where we're at. Well, I wasn't talking about the T-shirt economy. No, 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 but I'm saying, like, yeah, when no. the DIY aesthetic goes yeah, into I, the commercial. Yeah, I hate, I hate, you know, the problem is that we frame it wrong, okay? DIY, do it yourself, right? It's now a genre. Once it becomes a genre, it doesn't mean that you stop DIYing. You just no longer have to identify it as such. Right. It's cliche. Of course you're doing it your motherfucking self. <laughs> That's who does the things. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Like, so, motherfucker, I, you know, 10 of my fucking 30 publications I made myself. Another five I made in collaboration with friends. We come up with like an imprint. The rest are published by other motherfuckers who try to do the same shit. Neighborhood guys, whatever. No one made money. In the occasions that we did make some money, we didn't do anything very smart with it. And you think for a second that you're gonna make me feel bad about the ones that I published myself? Because you have some criteria of publishing? 
the fuck? That's stupid. I don't get that. I don't get that. Okay, because someone, an institution or a company published you, right? With $700 in the back end. Yeah, they did. You know what I mean? They published you. Yeah. Same money in the game. Yep. Right? But because of someone else, they chose you. No, they didn't chose you. They need to fill content because they just invested themselves in saying that they make books. <laughs> That's such a reactionary move. Like, oh shit, we make books, you know? <laughs> we make books. We need authors. People need to send the stuff. Oh, that's what happens. Yeah. Right? So, if I wrote a book, I was supposed to send it to him. Because it's more valid if I send it to him than if I put it out myself. How? What's the money split? Now, if, if my book's not good and I put it out myself, well, then it flays the black, and I won't. You don't see people who don't have good books claiming anything about their self-published books. They stop talking about it. They do it. They print it on Lulu. The shit doesn't go very well, and they do not talk about that shit. And if you talk about it, you're going to get ice grilled. They want to forget that mistake. <laughs> they do. It didn't go well. I'm not a writer. They don't say the shit. They don't tell anybody they had writerly aspirations. They don't do that. <laughs> so, what? What is? What is? What are we really talking about? Oh no, that that's you know? that stuff you just said. I agree with you on everything yeah. you just said. No, no, no. no I'm saying, I know. I was I, talking about. I was talking about like um. That wasn't a question. The you commercial. Jazz. No, I know. You. Yeah, you're using the royal you. Yeah. Uh, when uh when uh. No, I think I was talking... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I think I was, like... I think I was, like, thinking more about, like... Uh, no, you hit it. You hit it on that. It's just, like, when that... when that. I guess you're right. It's... Posh, it's, it's Yeah, it's, it becomes its own... You answered the question when you said it becomes its own genre. So people will enter the market into the DIY genre and then claim that thing to be part of it when everyone's doing it themselves. Not everybody. Yeah, you know, there's this interesting thing happening in New Orleans with the typewriter poets. You would you would devour them because what it, what's going on there is that there are these not all of them. Some of them are actual poets and writers, but it's a little bit of a scene where they set up. You know, five or six of them will set up in a row downtown on Royal Street in French Quarter and it's just Poets Row and people come up and pick a poet and buy a poem and buy a poem and they have a non-compete they have an agreement they, it's just like because there's like seven or eight of them they just have an agreement that it's like we're not going to set up in different parts of the street we're just going to all set up together did you see them there? Um, there were two that were just there were two typewriters next to each other, but the poets were out to lunch. They were like smoking, like down on the block. If you get it to fit the same, I actually didn't talk to a single single poet while I was down there. They were all loading off the distance. I don't need her fucking getting in touch with me about it. Well, I thought this was Yeah, she real fuss about it. Uh, we done talking on the record. We could be done talking on the record. 
I mean, that's enough, man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, thanks for coming out, um, being on the show. Yeah, I appreciate the, the ask. I've never been interviewed before about poetry. I usually get interviewed because I was a large black man staying somewhere. <laughs> so did you see what happened when this house caught on fire? Was it, uh... Well, why is all those kids out there mad? Well, you see, they're mad because they, they hate you. And we've taught them that if they kill you, everything will change for them. <laughs> We're not going to put that on the show, don't no, we? No, 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 I don't care about that part. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I was talking about. Definitely put that as the end. Oh, man. <laughs>